I wanna welcome all of our campuses. I wanna welcome those from Baton Rouge to Biloxi, those that are joining us online as well. To the very first week, man, we've been waiting for this, the very first week of our brand new series called Hope Again. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? <clears throat> we have been preparing for you guys. Matter of fact, I, I've been praying and preparing for this moment, uh, really almost the last year. I remember we came out of 2020, and it was a tough year. Matter of fact, it's been a tough two years for everybody. <clears throat> I had a conversation with a guy, and in that conversation last year, he told me, he said, Pastor, just to be honest, all the things that are happening in our culture, of course, medically with COVID, all the stuff, he goes, my gosh, it's just there's so many things that are so overwhelming. Here's what he said. He says, the truth is, I just, I just feel, and by the way, this, this guy is generally an optimistic guy. He said, I just, I just feel, I just feel overwhelmed. I almost feel hopeless. I, I began to think about that term hopeless. <clears throat> what does it mean to feel hopeless? The fact of the matter is that you can go through circumstances, you can go through situations where at one time there was a, there, there was, I would call it a spring in your step, maybe some bump happened in a relationship, something had happened in your business, something happened, just something negative happened in your life, and all of a sudden you can kind of go from, go from a faith and an excitement to, to, to being staggered, disappointed, almost to the point where you can become hopeless. <clears throat> hope is a biblical theme. What is hope? How does hope cause somebody to rise above insurmountable obstacles to where they actually can hold on because they know there's a brighter day ahead of them. I, I had a conversation with a, a couple. By, by the way, as a pastor, you guys realize I have lots of conversations with people. So y'all do realize that, right? <clears throat> like everybody tells me a lot of things, you know. And, and they said, uh, matter of fact, they were coming to a series like this, not this one. And they said, uh, and, I, and I knew this couple said, Pastor Steve, quite honestly, we feel like this series, we're going to come, we're not doing good in our relationship, and we're going to come, and we're just asking God, if God doesn't do something in our relationship, we're going to go our separate ways. And, I'm, you know, they walk away, and I'm thinking, no pressure on me, golly, gee. <laughs> but it wasn't about me. I knew what they were saying. They were saying they needed God to do something in their life. Because they'd come to a point where, 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 where they had become hopeless. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe the anxiety has gotten so intense in your life because of all the things that are all happening around us where you too. By the way, our culture, my gosh, how divided, how, you know, there's just the tension. Any conversation you have with some, my gosh, they can go just anywhere. And that's a lot of pressure. In the moment, the question is, is there anything that we can find out and learn and apply to our lives that can actually change that? The answer is yes. In an individual's life, you don't have to live hopeless. In any relationship, you don't have to live hopeless. By the way, I believe in a culture. I believe that God can heal us. I know there's lots of people that watch us online in different parts of the world. And, but I believe that God, I'm part of the United States of America. I believe that God can heal our nation. How many of y'all believe that God can heal our nation? Do y'all believe that? <clears throat> Today, I want to talk to you about what it means to hope again by talking about the most powerful thing that we can talk about, the gospel. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23, he says something to the church at Corinth that, by the way, I would say if there's a prayer, if you guys say, Pastor, what is your prayer for us? Because every year 
we do this. Every year, in the beginning of the year, I do a six-week series. I write it, and then we do a, we do actually, it's three things. For six weeks, I preach on the weekend, and, I'm, and I wanted to say this. Please, the next six weeks, be in the house of God. The messages, they're all going through Romans chapter 8. Number two, please be in a small group. I cannot tell you, we'll have about 10,000 people in small groups. There's a group for you, all of the communities where we have campuses and online. Number three, I've written a devotional. We'd love to be able to give you one if you don't have the resource. It doesn't matter. We want to put it in somebody's hand. And by the way, that's also your book for your small group. So it's weekend, it's small groups, it's reading the devotional. Why do we do this? The reason why we do this is because we think it's so important right in the beginning of the year to get all of our campuses, all of our congregations on the same page to learn the same thing. We're talking about the gospel. My prayer for you is what Paul said right here. Here it is. You guys ready? Paul says this, now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker, the partaker of what? The gospel. That I may be a partaker of it with you. Pastor Steve, you know, I mean, like I'm a Christian. I mean, I, y'all, you're going to talk about the gospel? What are you going to be talking about? By the way, how many you know we never mature past the gospel? We just grow deeper in the gospel. Amen. That every day, how I many you know it's important for us every day to be reminded of what Christ has done for us, of his life, of his death, of his burial, and his resurrection. Now, I know that when you say the word gospel, particularly in America, there's different connotations, different thoughts that people have. For example, gospel, oh yeah, isn't that like southern country music? Now, that's not the gospel. That's a genre of music, okay? But that's not, it's like, you know, 70s gospel. Okay, I get it. But, 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 but that, that's not what Paul's talking about right here. Are y'all with me? I, I think for us to understand what the gospel is, I think it's also important for us to differentiate of what it's not. Let me give you another one. The gospel is not trying to do the right thing. That's called decisions. The gospel's not that. Well, you know, it's the beginning of the year, 2022, man. Uh, I'm going to, you know, to turn over a new leaf, and I'm going to work out better. I'm going to do it. Now, those are all good things. They're just not the gospel. I'm going to do right. I'm going to save more. I'm going to do this. I'm going to no sweets, you know. Of course, you got a king cake. Well, okay, then it's after that. But then it's, you know, I get it. I, I understand. Okay, I live here too. <laughs> you know, it's like we have fasting week always during the week of the national championship. Who made that plan? You know, it's like, come on, pastor. I, I get it, but, 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 but let me tell you, all those things are good. All those things are right, but don't misunderstand. Those are not the gospel. Now, the gospel can produce you making better decisions, but your decisions of to lose weight, that's not the gospel. Are you with me? Let me give you another one that the gospel is not. This is a big one. The gospel is not feeding the poor or helping people. Yes, we should do those things. That may be the outworking of the gospel. By the way, good works are not the gospel. Good works are produced by the gospel, but, but you can do a lot of people doing good works that they're not doing them in the name of Christ. Uh, by the way, we don't do good works as a church in order to be right with God. We do good works because we are right with God. In other words, God ought to produce in you a heart transformation that you want to do that. The problem is when you misunderstand the outworking of the gospel with the gospel, then you start getting confused and thinking that the outworking is the actual gospel. Don't, don't misunderstand that. Let me give you one other thing that the gospel is not. The gospel is not talking about God. That's the proclamation. It's not the message. So, and so Pastor, why do people get confused? I, I, I'm culpable. I'm liable. I'm the pastor. I think at times maybe pastors have not made it plain and simple and clear. By the way, again, I'll say it again. You don't grow past the gospel. You mature deeper in the gospel. 
You, you, you grow in an understanding of the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. I think the biggest reason, though, I want to go back, it's because we misunderstand the outworking and the message. Don't confuse the two. Pastor Steve, why the book of Romans? Well, the book of Romans, and I'll say this, I, uh, I believe the book of Romans has the best detailed explanation of what the gospel is, particularly the first eight chapters. So we are doing six weeks. Again, I won't go verse by verse every single word. If I did, we would be here for eight years. But I will go as in-depth. By the way, you know what my point is? My point as a pastor is to, to encourage you so that you go back and that Acts 17, you become a noble Berean and you study the scriptures for yourself. So, so whatever I do on the weekend, whatever series I'm doing, whatever message series, ultimately it's just to, to, to get you excited about you de- becoming a self-feeder yourself. But it's important. I do believe that the book of Romans is the best theological Biblical explanation of the actual gospel itself. That's why I've chosen it. What I found is, if you don't know what the gospel is, you can find out that you can get way off as you go through life. You know, I have always been an outdoorsman, and I just, I love that. I grew up, you know, hunting and fishing, still do today, and and. I've actually been lost in the woods, like literally. I know you, some people think, well, you know, I was like, like lost. But were you really? Like I've been like really lost. And it can get really scary. And of course, you know, you have compasses and stuff. Of course, now phones, you know, you've got, you know, my phone's got a compass. Of course, if it doesn't have juice and then, oh gosh. So there's a whole set of complications. come. But, but what's interesting is you have a compass. Hopefully the compass is on. But if it's a little off. Or if you don't have a compass, you think, okay, I'm supposed to go this way. If you just get a little bit off. You ever done this before? This happened to me. I was going this way. I thought, okay, I'm supposed to go this way, but I just got a little bit off. I took one little, just like small. It was like initially, it was just like, it was like a little step. The problem is two hours later, I ended up three miles down from where I was supposed to be when I came out. See, the reality is if we don't get the gospel right, what happens decade after decade, you end up, watch this, it starts small, but then you can get way off at the end. That's why it's so important that, that, that we're bringing ourselves and refocusing and recentering the church on what is the main thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we've chosen the book of Romans, six-week series. Today I want to talk to you about Paul, the author of the book of Romans. I do want to say for those of you that are guests, we believe the Bible is inspired by God, yet at the same time, he used human instruments to do so. And uh, Paul, the apostle, wrote nearly two-thirds in the New Testament. I want to talk to you today about Paul, the man Paul, why I believe he was chosen to write this, two, the mission of Paul, and three, the message of Paul. The man Paul, the mission of Paul, and the message of Paul. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Let's talk first about the man Paul. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, right there, boom, which he promised before through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we've all received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also 
are the called of Jesus Christ. By the way, he's writing this to the church at Rome. He's not yet been there at this point. Now, he goes latter part of his life. This is 56 AD. He's not been there yet. To whom, verse 7, to, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Lord, our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. We would all be challenged to gain a greater understanding of the book of Romans without looking at Paul's life. It was rather a mixture. It was interesting. Uh, I love Paul. I, I like different biblical characters. I know people, you know, um, whether in the Old Testament, Moses, David, of course, the New Testament, you know, Mary. I love talking about Mary, in the, you know, particularly during Christmas time. And, and of course, Peter, one of the great apostles, you know, but Paul. Paul was a, is interesting. He was a Jew, but he was also a citizen of Rome. He was a trained rabbi, a Pharisee, watch this, and also a tent maker in the early part of his ministry. By the way, Paul, prior to being Paul, or let me go a step further, St. Paul wasn't always St. Paul. Matter of fact, Paul the Apostle, if you read about it in Acts chapter 7, he was a pretty bad dude. He was a Jewish zealot that killed Christians. Now, just think about this for me. Do you know who the first Christian martyr was? Just say it out loud. Any campus, just say it out loud. What's his name? Stephen, the first Christian martyr, Acts chapter 7. Guess who was there overseeing kind of as the orchestrator of the first Christian being stoned to death? A young man named Saul, who was later changed to Paul. First Christian martyr, Stephen. I'll never forget one day my mom told me, I said, Mom, where'd you get the name Stephen? She goes, well, I, just, you know, I was reading the Bible, you know. You know, Stephen was in the Bible. And I said, where'd you get my middle name? Well, it's in the Bible too, James. I said, Mom, you ever realize that that's the first and second Christian martyr? James was the second Christian martyr. How many of you know that's not a prophetic word for Pastor Steve? Come on, y'all with me? It's like, Mom, let's like, well, how about something else, you know? <laughs> and Paul was this bad dude. And a matter of fact, the Bible says he's got letters in his hand on the road to Damascus. Damascus, present day Syria. It's a city in Syria. And he's on the road. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 9, you can read about, he's knocked to the ground. Christ shows up. Watch this. He sees a vision and he's born again. He is basically knocked to the ground, and he realizes he was going one way. He's got to turn around and go another way. He repented, trusted in Christ. And then he has this vision, and, the, and he hears his voice, and God calls him to be an apostle to the Gentiles, which is pretty ironic because if you look at his ministry, everywhere he went, he actually started in Jewish synagogues. So he started to the, with the Jews, and then he'd go to the, By the way, for all of you, this is important for everybody to know. The gospel first went to the Jews, Right? They were all Jewish, beginning of Acts. Then it went to the Samaritans, half Jews, Assyrians and Jews intermixed. The third group that got it, don't listen. Y'all gonna love this. Some of y'all, a small group of you that will love this. It went to the Italians. <laughs> There's pizza, lasagna. Come on, are y'all with me? Pastor Gary Borkstead, our great pastor on staff, he's like, y'all, he gets excited about them. Like, yeah, well, he went past y'all pretty quick, Gary. But anyway, so I'm just joking. So Paul was an interesting guy. Watch what it says. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. A bondservant. The word servant there is the Greek word doulos. It's a common word, bondservant. Somebody that understood there was a... It's interesting. When you, ever, you ever hear somebody say, you know, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Our emphasis, by the way, usually is on the Savior part, which is the obvious, right? Saved from our sins. But you know there's another part, Lord. To be Lord means to be, to, be, to be master. In other words, he recognized that he was a servant of Christ. It's 
It's one thing to say, you know, would you like to trust Christ for your sin? You know, he'll save you. He'll forgive you. Man, who doesn't want that? You know, it's like, hmm, go to hell, heaven, blood. Man, I'll, I'll take that. But it's another thing to know that he's your Lord. In other words, he's the one that's calling the shots for your life. Isn't that interesting? In other words, you got to check in with him. Headquarters, Jesus, you're calling the shots. What would you like for me to do with my life? How many of that's a different level? Paul was humble. I'm always reminded of Dr. Billy Graham when I think of humility of a, somebody that is a contemporary example. Of course, he died a number of years ago, about three or four, I think, now. And I'm always reminded of that story with at, uh, Barbara Walters. And, you know, she was a great interviewer, and she, and she gets... This must have been 15 years ago. And I guess he was probably 80 at the time, and 80, 85. And she's interviewing him. She goes, you know, Dr. Graham, you know, what would you like to hear Jesus say to you when you die and you go to heaven? And he says, well, I want to hear, I want to hear Jesus say, you know, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And, of course, she, you know, kind of clears her throat and says, are you you're kidding me? I mean, you've preached the gospel to more people. And, and, and he goes... Barbara, if, if there was a grandma that was called by God to pray and to be in a rocking chair and to pray, she was an intercessor and she did that more faithful than, than she was more faithful than what I did. In other words, there was a humility. It's easy to stay humble when you don't have anything. Business people, how about when you have a lot? It's one thing to stay humble on the front end. The thing I loved about Paul, this guy had visions, revelation, you know, he had opened heavens. I mean, the guy's seen all kind of stuff. And if you look at his life and his ministry, he didn't get less humble. He actually became more humble. I believe it's probably a clue of why God used him. Number one, the man, Paul. Number two, what was his mission? Romans chapter one, verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your flesh or that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Watch how many times the word gospel is mentioned. That without ceasing, I make mention of you in my prayers. By the way, he's not been there yet. But he's keying into something, watch this, because he's heard something. Making mention of you making requests that by means now at least I may find a, a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. I want to come to you that I can impart something into you, a spiritual impartation. That is that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Remember, partaker. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also. This church had already started. By the way, Paul did get to visit the church at Rome towards the end of his life. When he appealed to Caesar, he ends up talking. He goes to Rome, but not at this point, 56 AD. He'd not been there yet. He says, I'm a debtor, verse 14, both to Greeks and to barbarians. Watch this, both to wise and to the unwise. This is important why he's saying this. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the what? Come on, say it again. Gospel. To you who are in Rome also. Rome was the imperial city. It was big deal back then. Of course, all roads were leading to Rome. Israel, Jerusalem, was controlled by Rome. Again, Pontius Pilate was appointed by Rome, right, as a local governor over 
that area at the time. So Rome was the big deal. And Paul wanted to go there. The church had already begun in Rome. Paul, it's interesting, Paul often would write back to churches after he would plant the church. He didn't plant the church at Rome. For example, this fall I talked about uh, uh, the church at Thessalonians. I spoke on 1 Thessalonians. That's the church at Thessalonica. That's a city today, Thessalonica. Paul went there, built the church, left from there, and then wrote a letter to there. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. Not the same with Rome. Not, not the same with the book of Romans. I think it's interesting that because he had not been there and he was not necessarily correcting them or adjusting or setting up church polity or, you know, or uh, not, he wasn't doing any of that. This should be an elder. Here's the qualified. Do this, do that. Or correcting, you know, because of false teachers. But, but, but it gave him, in a sense, a blank slate to lay out big theological themes. Like the justice of God. Wow. The goodness of God, the foreknowledge of God, the gospel of God. In other words, there was, there was something inside of Paul. It's like he, he wasn't necessarily trying to adjust them. He was teaching them. It's almost like a fresh class right in the beginning of the year. Except there was one thing. He understood that the gospel, Paul himself being a Jew, a believer in Jesus... He was a Jewish believer in Jesus. Paul did understand and was concerned about one thing, one major thing. Is he wanted to make sure that the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians understood that the gospel was for both. Because what happens is whatever group gets it first, the other group's not sure and they're suspect of that group. And wait, are you this? And wait, it's like the guy I told, you know, I think there's going to be some people that get to heaven, they get to heaven and, you know, they've trusted in Christ and maybe they didn't look like that person, live next to that person, different dialect or different this or that, whatever. And it's almost like they get to heaven and they go, what did you, how did you make it here? And that person goes, I was thinking the same thing about you when I got here. Now, don't misunderstand me. We only get to heaven through trusting Christ as our Savior. But I do believe there's certain things in each one of our hearts where we hold others in suspicion. Maybe it's because we don't know them. Paul was concerned because these Gentiles, listen, they're getting saved. It's Rome. And the Jewish Christians are like, Jewish believers in Jesus, these guys for real? Paul wanted to clear the slate. He said, listen, there's only one thing that saves, there's only one thing that heals, and there's only one thing that unites, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guys, I, I just, I'm not sure you, maybe you don't believe the way I believe right now, but I, I am appreciative of the political process. I'm an American. I know there's people that look all over the world and watch online. I appreciate it as an American, our political process. I'm engaged in that. I vote. I do all that. But, but I've gotten so weary thinking that politics is going to change our nation. How many know it's only the gospel of Jesus can heal human hearts and change a nation? It's only Christ. And the substantive sense in the heart, it's the gospel. Paul knew that. Paul knew that only the gospel can heal. Only the gospel can restore. Only the gospel can unite the Jew and the Gentile together. Yeah. Paul was used by God, I think, because of his humility, but he had a mission. His mission was to get the gospel out. By the way, I think that should be our mission, to get the gospel out. 
Yes, we have vocational aspirations. We do things. We have jobs. All the things are good. But I'm going to tell you something. God left us on this earth as believers in Jesus. If you're a trust, if you're a Christian, a believer in Jesus, God has left us on the earth for a purpose, to get the gospel out. Yeah. Paul had a mission. But Paul also had, Paul had a message. What was Paul's message? What was Paul's message? Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I love this so much. Oh, man, when I just read this, there's a fire because the power, the potency of this verse. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul the man. Paul had a mission to get the gospel. He wanted to go to Rome. He wanted to preach the gospel. But he had a message. What did he bring there? When he got there, what was his message? For I'm not ashamed, he said, verse 16 of chapter 1, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. There it is again. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. I'm not ashamed if you like it, the gospel, and I'm not ashamed if you don't like the gospel. I'm not ashamed if I'm in a group where everybody loves the gospel, and I'm not ashamed if I'm in a group, Paul says, who doesn't love the gospel? I'm not ashamed if I'm on a campus where I'm, everybody loves the gospel and I'm not ashamed if I'm on a campus where everybody doesn't love the gospel. I'm not ashamed if I'm with a group of people that love Christ, but I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. In other words, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. As your pastor, I'm gonna ask you this. Are you ashamed? Jesus said this, oh man, he made it real clear. Jesus said, I am the way. Everybody say the way. This is not popular in our culture today. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. Everybody say truth. And then he said, I am the life. Everybody say life. Oh wait, watch this. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one, everyone say no one. Uh-oh, uh-oh, this is in red in my Bible. Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus. Wow. Are you ashamed of that? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. My heart is actually broken for people that don't believe that. Paul says, my heart bleeds over people that don't believe that. Why? Because I believe that Christ is the way. He says, I believe he's the way. I believe he's the truth. He's the life. In other words, I'm not ashamed of this. Question, are you ashamed of that? Are you ashamed of the message of Christ? Yeah. Because Paul knew something. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For in the gospel, for in it, you've got to see this. It's in the gospel, in, the, in this message. What is the gospel? It's the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel. It's not works. We should do good works. But the gospel is not good works. The gospel is a message. It's the life. Do you believe that Jesus was the only begotten son? Listen, full of grace and truth. He was sinless. Do you believe that he died on the cross for you? Do you believe he was buried and defeated hell, death, and the grave? Do you believe that he rose from the dead? Do you believe he's seated at the right hand of God, interceding for the saints? Do you believe the gospel message? That's the message. That's it right there. By the way, 
We can't ever improve on that. We just go deeper into that. That's the power. That's the power. That's the power. That's the power. He says, for, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Whether my family likes it or not, are you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Whether the guys that you grew up in high school with, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Whether America's into church or not, don't be ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For in the gospel, here's the reason why. In the gospel, it's the power of God. So Paul said, it's the power of God. By the way, it's the Greek word dunamis. Oh man, it's dynamite to break that addiction off your life, to break that chain off your life in the gospel. It's the gospel. It's not just, this is, I'm, this is not Aesop's fables, good moral teaching. No, this is, this is life. When we open the scripture, we uncover the power of God off of every page to deal with every dilemma of the human heart. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, to everyone who believes, everyone, the Jew, the Greek, the rich, the poor, whoever. For in it, for in it, for in what? For in the gospel, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. What did Paul mean when he referred to gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I've delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins. He lived and he died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again on the third day. What is the gospel? It's the good news. Everybody say good news. We live in a nation. There's a lot of bad news. We live in a world where there's a lot of bad news. It's your choice. Do you key into the bad news or the good news? Oh, I know we need to be informed. I get that. But I'm going to tell you, I don't want to be overly informed with bad news. What is your constant digest? What are you digesting on? Let me tell you something. You can, how many you know, you can have some late night sweets, but if that's all you live on, come on, ice cream people, 10 o'clock. Don't look at me so holy. <laughs> Southern pecan, butter pecan. God, that dropped out of heaven sometimes, I think. And then we got to call these dumb fasts by the past. No, I'm just joking. I, 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 I get it. I, I get it. But, but we, don't, we don't live on that. I don't care what station you're tuning into. If you're living on that, I'm going to tell you something. Your, your soul's going to become sick. Yeah. The gospel's good news. It's good news of the story of the life, death, burial and resurrection of Christ. It produces good works. We're into good works, but good works don't save. By the way, baptism doesn't save. That's a testimony to a dying world that you identify with Christ. Are you with me? As much as I like church, and you ought to be in church the next six weeks in the house of God where the presence, how many are grateful that we have church where you can come into the presence of God with other believers? But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Church doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't save you. Good works don't save you. They may be the outworking. They may be the, the but, 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 but it's Christ who saves you. And there's power in that. For in the gospels, the power of God. It's, that's where the power is. 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 It's Christ lived. Christ died. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. 
Christ is seated. We can't, we never go past that. We go deeper in that. And that's where the power is. He says, that's where the dunamis is. That's where the power to break that addiction off of your life is. Pastor Steve, can somebody change without Christ? Yeah, they can make changes, but not substantive changes. And they don't change. They can't change their heart. You may be able to stop this destructive behavior, but there's something else going on. The only one thing that can change the human heart is the power of God. Oh, man, I tried for years. I turned over more new leaves. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to make better decisions. I'm going to do better. And all those decisions are great. But I'm going to tell you something. The one decision is to submit to Christ. That will change your life because Christ changes you with his power. Jeremiah said this, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard its spots? You have just as much of a chance to change your heart as a leopard does his spots. I'm looking at somebody right now, sir, you can't change your own heart. You've been trying for a long time, but you can't change your own heart. I couldn't change my own heart. Only Jesus could. I had more junk, more stuff. I know what hopelessness is. I know I know what it's like when I was in college. I was so hopeless. Now, I, looking back, I was depressed. I had sexual bondage in my life. I, was on, I had more substance abuse problems. I had more stuff going on. I couldn't change myself. But when I met a man named Jesus Christ, oh, man, he, cha- he, listen, he forgave me. He transformed me because there was a greater power to change my heart. How many are grateful for God's power? It's God's power. God will do that for your life. I know that freaks some of y'all out when I talk that way, but that's okay, because I'm not ashamed of the power of God. Are you? I'm not ashamed of the power of Christ. Listen to me. I know I'm not that good. I know I'm not. Yeah. I'm grateful for Christ. He'll change your life. Yeah. Pastor Steve, what is my role? Here it is, just one thing, and we're done. Week one, hope again. Oh, man, this is going to be so much fun the next five weeks. Y'all going to be in small groups. You're going to be reading that devotional. God's going to do something so fresh in your heart, your life, your marriage, our church. By the way, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of people. Matter of fact, there's multiple churches literally around the country and the world that is doing this. We're all doing it together. Why? Because there's something about going deeper in the gospel. That's where the power of God is. Pastor Steve, what is my role? To believe. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone, everyone, everybody say everyone, for everyone who believes. Yeah. By the way, you know we all have the ability to exercise belief and faith. You, you have belief. You have faith. We have, we're designed by God with the capacity to believe. You wouldn't get on an airplane unless you had some level of faith. You wouldn't you wouldn't sit on a chair. I believe that it's going to hold me up. You wouldn't go to a restaurant. Matter how many you know there's some restaurants you need to go into, you need to have more faith. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but listen to me. Biblical faith is different than natural human faith. Biblical faith, everybody watch. Biblical faith is when you focus your faith on the person of Christ. My faith's not in myself. I don't have faith in my faith. We have faith in Christ. It's almost like this. It's almost like the latch, the switch. I don't know what term to use, but, but it's, like, it's like the trigger, whatever it is, 
The power of God's right here. The power, the resurrected power of Jesus Christ is right here. And when you trust Christ, in other words, when you surrender to Christ, it's like this is open and in rushes the power of God into your soul. And you become a different person. Doesn't mean that you don't ever sin again. We're, by the way, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. What do Christians do with sin after they become a Christian? We're going to talk about it. It's all in, the, it's all in Romans. But I'm going to tell you, there's a change in your heart. October 27, 1987, I surrendered my heart to Christ. I couldn't change myself. I tried. By the way, something about belief, only you can believe in Christ yourself. I can pray for you, but I can't trust Christ for you. Your, your parents can pray for you, but they can't trust Christ for you. Your youth pastor can pray for you, but they can't believe for you. They can pray for, I can pray for, I can't believe for you. You've got to believe that Christ lived, died, was buried, and was, and was raised from the dead. You, you've got to believe it. You've got to believe that. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now. I just sense the Holy Spirit here right now. I just sense the presence of Almighty God. God loves you. God's not mad at you. He came to save you. Yeah. With all of our campuses watching right now, those that are watching online, I just want to ask you, I've got one minute. Do you know Christ? Are you sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Jesus saves. And here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You, you've got to first confess that, you know, all of us have sinned. Romans 3.23. Man, you've fallen short. I've fallen short. Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to die for sin. Jesus died in our place. Oh, man. And if you'll call out to Jesus, you're forgiven of your sin. If you call out to Jesus, he comes to live in your heart. He fills you with his power. Your heart can be changed by Christ. So with everybody's heads bowed and eyes, closed, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. If that's you at the count of three, would you just lift your, your hand so I can see it? I'm going to pray for you. Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three, quickly. Hold your hand up. God bless you right there. God bless you guys right there. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you guys right there. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. God loves you, buddy. God brought you here today. God bless you. Anybody else? Pastor Steve, pray for me. God bless you. Anybody else? Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Can you right now? A whole bunch of people have responded. The presence of Jesus is here. Let's pray with them right now. This is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. Right here. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. And I want you to say this last thing. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name.
Man, after that message today, as a follower of Jesus, uh, maybe you're feeling encouraged, maybe you're feeling inspired, maybe you're feeling even a little bit challenged. Why don't we agree right now to take the tools that we learned here today and apply them to our life and let's dream big for 2022. I believe that God has something amazing planned for each and every one of us. And maybe in this service, you decided to give your life to Jesus. We wanna say congratulations. We are so excited for you as you start this new journey and we cannot wait to see all the things that God does in your life. And listen, as you begin this new journey, we don't want you out there just figuring it all out on your own. We wanna come alongside you as your church family and help you as you begin this brand new life with Christ. You can click the link in the chat room or on the screen right now and fill out the short form. And one of our pastors would love to follow up with you and hear your story and resource you as you begin this new journey of following Jesus. Well, guys, that wraps up our service today, but we want to encourage you to join us again next weekend as we continue our brand new series called Hope Again. And before we forget, I want you to know that it is not too late to sign up for a small group. Get in a small group and see what God does in your life through those connections. And I know for me personally, I love getting together with my small group girls and we are so excited to see all that God does this year. So we will see you again next week, same time, same place. Have a great day.